you, God, that you are good, that you will never let us down, that you love us. You did everything you could to purchase us. You gave it all. You gave it all. So we aren't a waste of your time. (laughs) What matters to us matters to you. And I thank you for that, Lord Jesus. I thank you for that, Lord God. And we give you all the praise and all the glory this morning. We thank you, Jesus, and we love you. Amen. Amen. Wow. Sometimes I get up here and I think I'm either going to cry or I'm going to pass out. (laughs) You can take a seat. Thanks, team. You guys are awesome. And oh my gosh, Jesse, where are what the, what? I wanted to cry. I'm like, I can't cry. I'm about to get up. I can't cry. But you know what? You don't freak good kids like that. Ronnie and Simon have worked hard. They've had Jesus in their house. They've spoken about, they've lived it. And this is proof. What? I don't even, I just need to see you later. <laughs> wow. And can I just encourage you, when you go through hard times, and this is for everybody, when you get a revelation, the next time something comes at you, you go, no way, Jose, because last time this is what God did for me, and if he did it then, he'll do it this time. So, whew, well done, well done. I, I can't wait to see more. <laughs> um, I've titled my message today, Wakey, Wakey, Rise and Shine. <laughs> um, I found this meme um, recently, and if they can put it up on the screen... Um, I love it. It feels like me most of the time. But um, I joined a Facebook group a little while ago, a mum's group, and there was a mum who had put a post up saying how, um, you know, how she was feeling so stretched and, and how can she cope and what can she do? And I sort of commented, you know, if you're a person of faith, like what I do, I put the worship music on and I just sing my heart out and encouraged her that, that if, if she's not a person of faith, that could be an option. But so many of the women in that Facebook, nearly 100, same sentiment, same sentiment, feeling stressed, feeling stretched, and feeling... <gasps> and I guess so many of us are feeling um, like this in this season. And um, it was interesting, you know, when Pastor Bruce came the other week... Um, And he was sharing some of the stuff that has been rolling around in my head and heart. And I'm like, oh, my goodness, he's preaching my message. Like, um, but one of the things that I've become perplexed about recently uh, is this concept that life should be peaceful and calm and that we're continually trying to get this kind of peace and tranquility in a crazy world around us. And I'm just not sure whether that's necessarily the right view. So hear me on this, taking you on a bit of a journey. I guess there are moments in life where we do have peace and we do have calm, but I think for the most of us, that's not the majority of the time. (laughs) Life is hard, it's tough. You know, storms come at us constantly and I'm just wondering if somehow perspective is a little bit skewed. You know, I remember once upon a time, you know... um, To be a good Christian, you know, you had to have nothing and you had to be poor and seemingly without because, you know, um, that's just what you did. And then we had like a a pendulum swing and, you know, there was like preaching on prosperity and and all of that sort of stuff. 
And then to top it off, we've got everything that the world throws at us, these lures that, um, you know, suck us in. And I think somewhere along the lines, we've become to become unstuck a little bit, consumed with having a lifestyle. And um, we're striving for that peace and calm. But um, Pastor Bruce reminded us, and, I, and this is something that's been rolling around in my head and my heart for a while, John 16, we all want to blot this one out. In this life, you will have trouble, <laughs> right? It's, it's part of life. This is, this, is, this is life for us. And as Christians, an even bigger part of our life. And I guess, you know, the question is, if it's part of our lives, why is it that we don't know how to cope sometimes when the strife comes, when the trouble comes, when the tribulation comes? You know, the word of God is not short of scriptures to encourage us and help us through those trials. Because God knows we'll face them. The Bible is full of encouragement and guidelines and ways to deal with troublesome times. But the, the next part of that verse is, Fear not, for I have overcome the world. You know, Jesus reminds us that he told us these things, in this world you will have troubles, so that we can have peace in the middle of it. But we forget to seek that out and we forget to seek him out. I wonder if somewhere along the line we've bought a lie that things are ultimately meant to be roses and sunshine <laughs> and then we wonder why we're full of anxiety and worry when the storms of life hit. You know, I love that we should be stirred and not shaken. What did Pastor Bruce say? Something about um, James Bond Christians? I loved it. I thought it was great. But so many of us can be uh, through these tough seasons and we are shaken by so many things. And my question is, why? And are we running after things that perhaps we shouldn't? Things that aren't attainable this side of eternity. We want the Hamptons house. <laughs> we want the investment property, the man shed, the holidays in the tropics, the good clever kids, the ideal job with the ideal pay packet and we work so hard to achieve it all. And I'm speaking general terms in here. You might not want a Hampton's house. You might want a Cape Cod instead. But you know what I'm saying. Oh, I want a stone house. An old stone. Anyway. <laughs> these things in themselves aren't bad to want. It's not bad to have these things. But since when have they become the benchmark to making it in life? <laughs> Somehow this has snuck in our day-to-day -day living and it's got us caught up and distracted. Remember the story of the rich young man? Mark 10 verse 17. Jesus started on his way. A man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. I need to research because that weird, that I, I need to find out what that means because that's weird in itself because Jesus is God. Anyway, another sermon. You know the commandments and then Jesus rattles them off. Jump down to verse 20. Teacher, he declared, all these things I've kept since I was a boy. Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack, he said. 
Go sell everything you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. At this the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. You know, I wonder how many of us have become like the rich young man, willing to give, do almost everything except give away our little luxuries in life. Ouch. But I love in verse 21 where it says, Jesus looked at him and loved him. And that's the sign of our gracious, loving God. And I'm challenged by this. I'm challenged by this because I get caught up. I'm not absolved of this. It only makes me busy and miserable and stressed and I feel far away from where I should be in God. (laughs) I seemingly tick all the right boxes, but what am I not willing to let go? That's become my stumbling block. And, you know, recently I've become very challenged about the stories I hear in my job. People who have nothing, I'm talking about nothing, to the point where they're selling their children just to eat. They're prepared to sacrifice everything, including their lives, for the things of God. Well, I'm here and I'm enjoying my Netflix and my online shopping. These people are poor, hungry, marginalised, and they're willing to give their lives for the gospel of Christ. And I've been really stirred in my spirit about this. I'm wrestling with how do I fit in in all of this? What's my part to play? How do I stay awake to the things of God and not get sucked in by the things of the world? How do I not make a mockery of what they're going through and not make a mockery of all that Christ has gone through? I'm trying to make sense of it all. (laughs) One night a couple of weeks ago when I found out I was on the roster, I thought, oh, I've got a great idea. I'll go survey people and ask what they think. (laughs) Hmm. Maybe I'll get some feedback and it might shed some light on all of this. So I double-checked with council and I made sure that, you know, I wasn't going rogue and I double-checked with Ben and Amy and out I went into the street. I compiled my questions. I only had one day to do it. I only had one day. So off I went. I spent nearly an hour and a half in Springwood and um, if the guys can throw some photos up on the screen. There's Emmeline. And then I headed up to Katoomba and then the weather turned and Emmeline started brewing a head cold and with the gusty wind, I'm like, yeah, this ends this exercise. (laughs) Call me foolish or crazy or both, but I had a crack and I had a go. Now, only six people answered my survey. (laughs) Most of them were Christian. (laughs) Quite a few were willing to take part until (laughs) they saw the questions. And chose to pass. I also approached some people on Facebook who were my friends who I knew weren't regular churchgoers and not many of them responded either. So what did I ask? And believe me, I'm not an expert in surveying. So those of you who are gifted in this, please don't cringe. Number one, what is your view of God and church? Number two, what helped you form that view? Number three, what should a Christian be like? Number four, is there anyone in your world like that? Number five, did you know if they were Christian? And number six, what was it about them that stood out? (laughs) Probably should have considered how full on those questions were, however. (laughs) But it didn't occur occur to me until I was out there and I could see people's faces. 
I'm not sure what I expected to get in terms of responses, but I did psych up myself for the possibility that I would be verbally abused, and thankfully that didn't happen. And I entered it a little naively, I think. <laughs> I was terrified, but I gave it a go. And I'll probably look back on it in a few weeks' time and go, what were you thinking, you weirdo? So what was the outcome? I guess with my large group of six, it was interesting to see that all were in agreement that Christians should be kind, loving, understanding and giving. And then it was interesting that the people who were in their world like that were kind, loving and giving. And I guess it was also interesting, you know, the people that chose not to answer is an answer in itself, isn't it? Maybe they were too confronted. Maybe they didn't want to say what they really felt. Maybe they didn't want to be honest. Maybe they didn't want to be converted and I'm not sure what they thought I was going to do with my five-year-old in tow. After all, the, that exercise didn't really render for me what I thought it would in terms of my message, but it helped me in some ways with what was rolling around inside. We have a lost... Oh, Angry, hurting world out there who need, has no idea nor wants to know about a loving God. Sorry, guys, I get a bit emotional sometimes. <laughs> they need to be reached still. And for us as the church, I'm wondering if we've begun to fall asleep to the lost out there, fallen asleep to the strategies of the enemy and fallen asleep to the ways of the world. And I'm reminded of this scripture in Matthew 26, 45. Then he turned to the disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Look, the hour is near. Here is Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. He's in anguish and agony. He's about to be betrayed. In agony with what's about to transpire. And here the disciples are asleep to what is going on. His cry to them. Are you still sleeping and resting? Look, the hour is near. And I'm wondering if that's the Lord's cry to us today. <laughs> Are you still sleeping and resting? Look, the hour is near. I don't want to be asleep to the things of God, to what's going on in the world and what I'm meant to do. And it's a challenge for me because it means shaking off the things that hinder it means doing things that are uncomfortable, <clears throat> like going out into the middle of the community where it can be deemed as embarrassing and weird. But how many more of us are asleep? And I guess I'm here today to encourage you that it's time to wake up. Allow God to stir you and help you and rise up. It might feel a little bit like a Monday morning where you need a cup of coffee, but at least you'll be awake. <laughs> Do you remember that movie, A Bug's Life? That story of the colony of ants who year after year would be harassed by these grasshoppers. <laughs> and it wasn't until near the end of the movie where the ants began to realise they didn't need to be terrorised anymore. The sum of them together was more powerful than these giant grasshoppers and so they began to be stirred in their hearts. No more, no longer were they going to be held down. That's the kind of stirring. I need, we need, I need, I need. I'm putting my hand up. 
some of us together with the power of our mighty saviour stirred up to do something radical and bold and amazing. I want to stir myself up. And I want to encourage you with three key things today to remind us. And as we head out into our week, hopefully awake and not asleep. (laughs) Number one, be wary of the things of this world. Romans 12.2 in the message, message version, don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. This, this one was read out a few weeks ago. Was it you, Ben? That, I think it might have, I can't remember. Anyway, somebody said it. And I'm just like, oh, wow. Don't become so well adjusted that you fit in without even thinking. It made me sit back and think about the Jesus in me. And it's all well and good if you guys see the Jesus in me. Awesome. You're saved. But what about them out there? What about them out there? Do my friends see Jesus? Do my family see Jesus? Do I represent my saviour well, our saviour? Am I salty enough that people want more? Have I become so accustomed to the ways of the world that I... Live it just like everyone else. If I'm honest, I have to say yes. At times, yes. What about you? And what does life look like when you're in the world but not of it? That I'm not sure but I'm trying to work that out and I'm uncomfortable. And that's okay because that's the beginning of change, amen? And I'm just wondering, will you allow God to make you uncomfortable today? Will you allow the Holy Spirit to stir in you? Colossians 3.2 Set your mind on things that are above, not on the things of this world. And I think even Pastor Bruce mentioned, like I said, he's not preaching my message. We're trying to set up things here on earth um, that is meant for heaven. We're building heaven here on earth. And we wonder why it's not working for us when our world is fallen and it's sinful. You know, I mentioned before, we want that lifestyle. You've heard that phrase, God has placed a, uh, uh, God has put a hole in our, let's start again, shall we? (laughs) A God-shaped hole in our heart that only he can fill, and it's true. You know, the Bible in Ecclesiastes tells us that he set eternity in our hearts. And that is that sentiment there that we're outside of time and that there's something beyond us or above us that's deposited in us. We long for something more, more than what earth has to offer and we make the mistake of trying to build it here on earth. 1 John 2.15, do not love the world or the things of the world. Now, I want to blot that out. (laughs) There's so many things in this world I really like. But reading some commentary from the Enduring Word explains that the world lures us with a love of things and it threatens our relationship and our fellowship with our heavenly father this is what john was writing about here see whilst we get caught up in the things of life we become distracted from what is really important and sometimes i think that that's the purpose of it all distracted caught up marred view investing time and energy into things that are ultimately fruitless and if we're so caught up and bound up, we can't do anything else. Hello? <laughs> Be wary of the things of the world. 
This is both a challenge and a reminder to us as Christians. And I guess it's a good question to ask yourselves, where is the world in your priority of things? (laughs) Maybe like me, given too much focus. The second thing I want to share with you this morning is we are only temporary residents. It's amazing I keep thinking about these things and, and how we've begun to live here on earth like we're permanent residents. We're setting up shop and we're setting down our roots and we're making ourselves comfortable and we've forgotten that we're temporary. We're simply moving through. Paul reminds the church in Philippi, chapter 3, verse 20, our citizenship is in heaven. The dictionary meaning is of citizenship is the positional status of being a citizen of a particular country. And Jesus has given us that. We are adopted into the kingdom of heaven. We are co-heirs with Christ and heaven is our home. Hebrews 13, 14, we have no lasting city, but we seek the city that is to come. Heaven is our home. And the things of this world are just temporary. (laughs) James, um, in in the book of James, in 4, 14, even talks about our lives being like mist, and then all of a sudden it vanishes. (laughs) Our time on earth is so minute in comparison to eternity. Yet we live here like it's the only place we're ever going to (laughs) be. We kind of need to get a nomad mentality. (laughs) Get out, get ready to move on. Don't amass stuff because we can't take it with us anyway. (laughs) And I'm not just talking about the physical. I'm talking about the emotional and the mental stuff that we store up too. We set anchors in our comfortability Stuff that locks us into the here and now in a negative way and takes our focus away from Jesus, our saviour. My brother has just returned from being on holidays for three months, gallivanting around the countryside. And he and his partner just lived out the back of a troopie. And in coming back, he's looked at his house and gone, I've just got so much stuff I don't need. (laughs) Especially after living so minimalistic. I think we have to reshape our thinking in a spiritual sense. And I'm not saying go out tomorrow and have a giant garage sale. If you want to do that, go for it. Bless you. Knock yourself out. That's awesome. (laughs) But what I'm saying, it's all temporary. It's temporal things. And we aren't meant for this world long term. So we need to live like we're simply passing through. It's a challenging thought but necessary in our walk with God. And I encourage you to allow God to show you how to walk that out well. And I know it's something I need help with. And the third point I want to bring to you this morning is we are soldiers in the greatest battle in life. You know, I think of movies like Saving Private Ryan and Schindler's List and all those wartime kind of movies. When there is a battle, it's hard going, it's tough. There's not always time to rest. You have to stay alert. The enemy takes no chances, no chances, and takes every opportunity to advance. 1 Peter 5, 8 says, Be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour Resist him standing firm in the faith. 
we have an enemy and we need to be awake to his ways. We're in a battle, a spiritual battle. Our lives are never going to be comfortable and rosy this side of eternity. <laughs> the devil wants to take us out. We are God's most prized possession. We are, like, he gave everything for us and the devil hates it. <laughs> he's jealous and he's throwing everything at us to hinder our relationship with God and to hinder our relationship with each other. John 10.10 tells us the thief comes only to steal, kill and destroy. We are in a battlefield. We are fighting for our own salvation to stay on track. Sometimes it's hard to stay saved, right? Let's be honest. We're fighting for the salvation of our family and friends and the salvation of others. It's a tough gig, but you know what? We aren't alone. We have all of heaven on our side. The creator... The creator of the universe. You look up at the stars, you look at the sunset. The creator of all of that is on our side. He's our backer. And one thing I know is that soldiers are battle ready. They are trained, ready to fight and ready to go. And we need to do the same. We need to be the same. Some qualities of a soldier. They have their strength and resolve 2 Timothy 1.7, for God did not give us a spirit of timidity, but of power, of love, and of self-discipline. Soldiers have their command. Matthew 28.18, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Soldiers have their armour and their weaponry. Ephesians 6.11, helmet of salvation, breastplate of righteousness, shield of faith, sword of the spirit. And soldiers have their strategy. Ephesians 6.18, and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and keep on praying for the saints. I have great news. We are soldiers on the winning side. The victory is the Lord's and our strength is in him. The battle's already won. So wakey, wakey, rise and shine. Let the Lord stir you and wake you up on the inside so that you can be battle ready. Not sucked into the things of this world and not living like you're here to stay. My heart is that I... And we as a church are never asleep when the hour is near. Amen? Is that okay? Are you all right? Are you awake? Let me pray for you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, I just thank you for your word today. The challenge of it, Lord. And I pray that today it wouldn't weigh heavy on people, but it would be light Because, Lord, we walk in your strength, not in our own. Our falling short and our failings, you help us. It's not in our own strength that we overcome, it's in yours. You who is able to do immeasurably immeasurably more than we can hope or imagine through Christ who loves us and gave it all for us. And so, God, I pray that as people are listening online and here today, Lord, if they don't know you and haven't begun that journey with you, Lord, I just thank you that it's a simple prayer in their heart. Jesus, come and fill my heart. Help me live for you. And I just thank you, Lord, for your challenging word. Help us to walk it out well this week. 
Stir in us, Holy Spirit, what needs to be stirred. Give us the courage to let go of what we need to let go of. Help us look heavenward, not earthbound. And God, where we do feel defeated, like we feel like the enemy's taken ground, I thank you, God, that your word is not chained. It's never chained. Lord, let your word go out in and through us. God, I pray for encouraging scriptures to come forth in people's hearts this week as they face their challenges. Lord, let your word just permeate and bubble up like a stream of that living water that we we read about so often. Thank you, God, that your word tells us that when we are weary, we can come to you because what? You are our rock. You are our fortress. You are the strength, the God in whom we can trust. Thank you, Jesus, that you never let us down in this life. And you're with us every step of the way. Lord, bring that peace that you promised in a world full of trouble. And we just love you, Lord, and we worship you with everything that we have right here, right now, even though it feels could be as small as a mustard seed or as giant as a mountain. We worship you with just everything that we have right now. And we love on you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.